and we're so excited to have you guys here today. Thank you guys for, um, again, if you're new here, taking a chance on us. We're so excited that you're, you're here today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read about five verses, uh, verses 27 through 31. And uh, let me just take care of some business as I was just sitting and I had the opportunity to take in that wonderful worship service. Where's Cecil at? Is Cecil back in the room? Man, we're so proud of you. Would you guys give Cecil a big round of applause? That is just incredible what God's doing. And uh, I just want to give an assist to Nathan Wiltrout, right, Nathan? The, the, the conversation that you had with Cecil and the late night phone call at 11 o'clock that I had with this kid that I'd never seen in person before and uh, watching Nathan reach out to Cecil and Cecil reach out to a pastor and then both of us pointing the way to Jesus and now watching you about eight or so months later uh, do what you did today, man. We're so proud of you. I heard somebody while that was happening say, man, if I would have known that, I would have I gotten baptized today too. And I want you to know it's not too late. If you would like to be baptized today, matter of fact, if, if you want to be bold today, I, I'm just going to just, I'm going to put this out there this morning because I feel like I'm on Holy Spirit assignment here right now. If, if, is that you? If that was you, raise your hand. If, if you actually were like, if I would have known that, I would have actually gotten baptized today. Because I, I want you to know there's still time. And I want to make sure that I'm obedient. And if you want any more explanation, Pastor Micah is willing to, just grab our attention. We're willing to, to take you out in the lobby and just to explain what that, what that water baptism is about. But I, I felt like I heard someone say, man, I'm ready to take the next step. And at the end of this service, if that's you, you come up and we'll, that water's probably cold right now, but we'll still dunk you in it. <laughs> and uh, it'll be good to go. But we're so excited about what God's doing. If you're excited about what God's doing at Parkway, would you give the Lord a big round of applause? Just so thankful. We've been learning that we have to stop saying what we are seeing and start saying what God is seeing. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 31 reads as follows. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, declaring, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, I love that Scripture gives us enough, enough detail to be able to ask some interesting questions. Like, how do blind people chase anybody, let alone Jesus? Like, they were running out in the streets. Did they sense him? Were, there, were people calling out Jesus' name? Was it their opportune time to cry out? And not only how did they chase Jesus in the streets, how did they chase him into a house? Were there people helping him? You know, questions that I have when I read this scripture, but what an incredible picture of desperation when Jesus is near. Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said. They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it done unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus then sternly warns them, saying, See that no one knows about it. But I like what verse 31 says. But they went away and spread his fame through the land. Jesus, would you help me today? We're here because we want to learn and grow deeper in you. Holy Spirit, you're invited. I've sensed you from the opening song. Even as I was in prayer this morning, I've sensed you. I've sensed joy breaking out in our hearts. And Father, we thank you. 
that you don't call us to walk this journey alone. You've called, and not only have you called us, but you're here with us. Would you come even in a deeper way, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody says. According to the cdc.gov website, the following is stated about vision loss. Vision loss can affect your physical health by increasing your risk of falls and your quality of life. It can also have a big impact on your mental health. Loss of vision has been linked to loneliness, social isolation, feelings of worry, anxiety, and fear. Depression is common in people with vision loss. Shortly before my father passed away, he was one of those people that was experiencing vision decline. A lifelong diabetic, he was having some uh, health issues towards the end, and uh, he would have uh, the trouble of deciding whether or not it was time for him to stop driving. Look to your neighbor and say, if you have to ask the question, it's ready for you to stop driving. (laughs) I was recently, when we moved here, at the local DMV, and, and I don't know if I, the compassionate side of me was like, good on that person. The judgmental side on me, well, that person was like, I'm going to wait 10 minutes before this person gets out of the driveway. Uh, because they were in the middle of doing their vision test, and they got every letter wrong. I mean, it was, it was hieroglyphics. It could have been Egyptian. And the lady behind the counter goes, good enough for me. And I go, I don't think that's good enough for me. <laughs> But my dad was one of those, one of those guys. Um, at, the, at the end, he would come home after taking a drive to get coffee with some friends at a local restaurant that he would like, and he would sit down and he would be perplexed and he would be saddened and he would say something like, you know, I think I may have hit a side view mirror on the way home today. <laughs> and then it started with, I think I could have, to I definitely did. And how many know if you're, if you're hitting side view mirrors, it's probably time to hang it up, Right? Vision loss, and you can imagine as, as your vision wanes. I, I remember a couple years ago, I, I, on my laptop, um, stuff started getting a little blurry as I got closer. Does anyone have that issue? Wave your hand at me. Yeah, all right. I see. If you have glasses, you should be waving your hand at me right now. Uh, and so my response to that was not getting glasses. My response was to getting a bigger screen because I'm yet to admit that I need any glasses, right? And uh, how many know there's healing for it all, amen? Amen. But the road became less clear, and the side mirrors of the cars he passed paid the damage for it. You know, spiritual vision doesn't just affect you, it affects those that are around you. Proverbs 29, 18 says it like this, Where there is no vision, people perish. Husbands, fathers, leaders of your home, if you don't have a spiritual vision for your life, you're not the only one that suffers. Those around you suffer. And just like natural vision in your own life causes other people to suffer around you, so does spiritual vision. I was doing some research this week, and WikiHow wrote an article about coping with blindness. And there are a lot of interesting similarities between how they suggest to treat physical blindness and how the church treats spiritual blindness. Listen to what they say about coping with blindness. First off is you need to learn more about your eye condition so you can better understand it. Allow yourself to grieve over the loss of your vision. Remind yourself that you can still be independent without your vision. Recognize that you can still live a happy life and accept yourself and your condition 
to make it easier to cope. How many know that those are great natural things if someone's going through those problems, but how many know the church has often treated spiritual blindness the same way? Not to say, hey, awaken yourself and eyes be open. We have actually taught people how to live in blindness. The church has treated, treated spiritual blindness much in the same way. Instead of believing by faith for vision restoration, we have taught people how to cope with their spiritual blindness rather than to conquer their spiritual blindness. You were never meant to live a life without spiritual vision. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you this morning. Talking to you. Because if you take away a person's ability to see what God sees, they become subject to every whim and attack that life the enemy, or any circumstance has on them. Let me give you an Old Testament view about how God, how serious God took a lack of natural vision in the Old Testament and the type and shadows that we can draw from in the New Testament. Listen to what Leviticus 21 and 16 tells us about blindness and the priesthood. It says that blindness incapacitated a man from serving in the priesthood. In other words, that if you had trouble seeing naturally, God wouldn't allow you the opportunity to serve to see spiritually. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Out of darkness being, means not living in a state where you cannot see and understand to a state to where you can have knowledge and not just have knowledge, but have the wisdom to implement it in your life. Leviticus 22, Deuteronomy 15, Malachi 1. All of these, by the way, are available on our website and with my full notes if you want to click on the link so that you can do some studying after this morning's service. Blindness in an animal rendered it unfit to be offered as a sacrifice to the Lord. Listen to what Romans 12 and 1 says about sacrifices. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable services. So let's tie some thoughts in here today as we lay the groundwork for our message. Priests and sacrifices were made unfit by their lack of vision in the Old Testament. But God in the New Testament calls us priests and sacrifices. Sacrifices, And the correlation is to be noted. God cares about what you see. He cares not only about what you see, He cares about how you see it and what you confess with what you see. So many people in the body of Christ, in my opinion, this pastor's humble opinion, have bought a lie into confessing the bondage or generational curses over their life when God has meant them to be free. How many of us are living with things that God never intended us to live with? How many sicknesses? How many diseases? How many, how many uh, infirmities? How many things are we living with that we have learned to live with them, but that was never God's intention over our life? And what it's going to take, it's going to take from you going to darkness to light to being able to see that God wants to give you a set of eyes and vision for your life. 
The widespread incidence of blindness in the New Testament is indicated by the importance, importance which the restoration of sight had in Christ's ministry of healing. There are some scriptures or many scriptures that give us an example of Christ's healing ministry in blindness. Want me to just go through them really quick? Matthew 9, 27, 11, 5. Uh, Luke 7, 22, Matthew 12, Matthew 15, 30. Matthew 20, 30-34, Mark 6, uh, 10, verses 46-52, Luke 18, 35-43, Luke 21, 14, Mark 8, 22-25. There were many times that God would deal with something naturally because there was something more significant happening spiritually. And in the day of the New Testament or the Gospels, there was widespread blindness that had to be dealt with as almost like a correlation to say, not only are you blind physically, but you're also blind spiritually. Listen to what Matthew 15, 14 says about the correlation between lack of vision naturally and lack of vision spiritually. Here's what Matthew 15, 14 says. Let them, let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. This was in correlation to the religious leader's blindness, correct? In the first century A.D., blindness was generally regarded, and according with the Old Testament tradition, as a divine punishment for sin without any reflection on its possible incidences from purely physical and external causes. But Jesus did not describe or subscribe to the punitive view of blindness, but instead used the condition from time to time as a means of manifesting divine love to a segment of the community that had been uh, uh, dealt with in an infirmity. Listen to what John 9, 1-5 says. And as he passed by, he saw a, a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man or this man sinned or his parents sinned, but the works of God might be displayed in him. Many of you can look at your lack of vision or lack of the promises of God being received in your life, thinking as though it is somewhat God's punishment over you because of something that you have done in the past. But no, Jesus takes an entirely different view that what you have in your hand is an opportunity for God's mighty works to be displayed in your life. Or in other words, the, the setback in your life is going to be a platform for God's comeback in your life. That what you have been merely going through is a setup to an incredible story of God's redemptive power in your life. That what you were is not who you're going to be. That what you have been defined by is not what you are going to be defined by. And God is going to do something so transformative in your life that you won't be able to shut up about it. And that's what God does. What God does when he gets a hold of, of someone's life and the way that I interpret that scripture is Jesus basically telling those two blind men, I dare you to keep quiet about it. Because what I'm doing in your life, people are going to ask you the question, what, is, what has happened differently in your life? If there's been a difference in your life, give Jesus one big round of applause in this place. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Here's my point in the setup to this lesson this morning. Blindness or lack of vision didn't scare Jesus. Jesus looked at the people that he was called to reach, called to lead, called to serve, and their infirmities or their sickness or their yesterdays did not scare them, but he viewed it as an opportunity for God to do what he said he would do. And God doesn't look at your life this morning, nor the life of our church, and is scared by the lack that's in it. What he sees in lack is an opportunity for God to be glorified. See, he looks at the condition as an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed. Because why? When eyesight or vision is restored, vision is gained and people win. Let me go back to our text this morning. Two blind men were following Jesus, crying out loud. They didn't just follow him on the street, but they followed him into a house. I love when persistence and desperation meet. Because when persistence and desperation meets, you end up next to Jesus. And being next to Jesus is a really good spot to be, amen? They knew that the answer to their condition was walking and following Jesus. And I love the example of these men so much because they didn't have the answer yet, yet they were still chasing after Jesus. Many of us put some conditions on him, like, Lord, if you'll do it first, then I'll follow you. These blind men were the exact opposite. Lord, you're going to do it, but before you even do it, I'm going to follow you. That's faith. Faith is, even when I can't see it, I know it's about to happen. And these two blind men displayed what persistence and desperation do when they're met together with a heart of surrender, crying out to Jesus. Again, how do two blind men follow through streets and into the house. Scripture doesn't give us the details, but persistence and desperation oftentimes don't care about the details. Sometimes all you need in this room is not even the understanding of how God's going to do it, but just that He is going to do it. How, how does God take a, a young man in this, in this church several weeks ago who has a, has a crooked back and in a moment straightens his back. How, how does that happen? As I was told in the middle of worship today, someone that's been battling heart issues for the last several months and years goes to the doctor and the doctors can't even find the heart issue that they diagnosed them with several weeks ago. I mean, how does that happen? What I love about faith is faith doesn't need explanation in order for it to happen. Faith is this thing where I believe that you're able to do it and my persistence and my desperation is going to get me to the answer and I'm going to stay to the answer even before I even see the physical signs of my faith. They had an appointment with destiny. Their vision for life was coming back. I believe what God is speaking to this pastor is that the vision and life of Parkway is coming back. That when he looks at a group of people, he doesn't see what you're not, he sees what you're going to become. And what God has in front of us is so incredible, but we need to begin to have faith even before the eyesight returns. So they approach Jesus. And before they can cry out again, he asks an important question. Do you believe I am able to do this? I love that simple yet direct question. They could have said, Jesus, 
Like, like bro, we, we chased you through the streets blindly. Like, if that's, not, if that's not enough of a reason for you to believe that we believe you, I don't know what is. Not only that, we like stubbed our toes a thousand times. We ran into the, the, the threshold of the door. You see all the bruises we've got just chasing you. But there was something about matching their confession with what they saw. So right now, it's an important lesson for you to learn when you look at your life to not agree with the circumstances of your life, but to agree with what God is saying over your life. That your confession has to match the belief of what God sees in you. So many of us, we get, we get in this bondage mentality of yesterday means that, that I'm indebted to a life of bondage in the future. But God is saying, no, you have to change how you confess and what you say even before oftentimes you see the results. We cried out loudly to you. Listen, just because you chase something blindly and cry out loudly doesn't mean that your situation will change. Faith, I believe, is not just an outward expression, but it's also an inward conviction. They answered a direct question, and here's what they said. Yes, Lord. Yes. And I want you to notice the difference between what they were crying out in the streets and their answer to Jesus when they said, yes, Lord. When they were chasing Jesus at first, his title was what? Son of David. Son of David was a term to describe a descendant of David whom God will place on a throne to rule his kingdom. But their situation changes when Jesus became more than just a ruler over God's kingdom, but became a ruler over their kingdom. Yes, Lord, was an outward confession of an inward surrender. You are not, Jesus, just the coming ruler of your kingdom. You're the coming ruler of my kingdom. They were chasing after God, saying, Son of David, you are the promised one who are go who's going to rule the kingdom. But notice when the healing took place. You're not just going to rule that kingdom, Jesus. You're going to rule this kingdom. And so many of us want God to take our blindness away before He causes a surrendered heart to take place. And I want you to notice the connection that God will do it, but the most important transformative miracle that you will ever have in your life is not a physical one, it's not a financial one, it's not one that's going to make you popular, it's the one where you surrender your life to Jesus. And what they said was, the realization is not only, listen to me, not only is he the coming ruler over God's kingdom, but he's the coming ruler over my kingdom. He then touches their eyes. I believe this morning that he is still touching eyes. He still longs for a people that will see his eyes and love with his heart. But notice, their eyesight wasn't immediately healed when Jesus touched their eyes. Jesus, as he places his hands on their eyes, says what? According to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus had given them permission via their faith to go as far as they wanted to go. I believe that we're living in a time at Parkway where God and His miracles are being manifested and He's touching the vision of this house. And here's what he's saying. 
How far do you want to go? How fast do you want to go? How, how many people do you really want to reach? And here's what he's saying. It's according to our faith, be it unto us. I felt like as I was preparing for this message, I was sat down at my desk and I, and I cried out with desperation, like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say to our people this week? And it was almost like he slid a spiritual blank check over the desk at me. And I heard him say this, tell the people, according to their faith, be it unto them. And I'm not talking about financial blessings. I'm not talking about physical. What I'm talking about is the Cecils that are represented today on the platform. There is hundreds more of them in Southern Oregon that need our faith to be activated and according to our faith, be it unto us. Like right now, you don't even know their names. You don't even know their situations. You don't even know their stories. But right now, in darkened bedrooms all across southern Oregon, there is depression that's getting nervous because it's about to leave. There's addiction getting ready to leave. There's hope getting ready to be instilled. There's, there's people that have been chasing money their whole life getting ready to surrender at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I've been chasing the wrong things to fulfill happiness. According to your faith, be it unto you. God's vision for our life, it gives us a purpose or a reason for living. It gives us plans or how we are supposed to live. But in the end, it surrounds us with the people that give us the why. Doing what we're doing to let someone know about the good news about how Jesus saved our life and that he's not a respecter of persons. If you're new to our church in the recent weeks, our vision is a thousand, hundred, ten, and one. A thousand people in the next three to five years, a hundred trained volunteers, servants of this house that are going to make this house motored, ten people who are going to be called into full time ministry and sent out in ministries all over the world. And how are we going to do it? We're going to do it by loving people one at a time. But this will only be accomplished according to the faith that we are willing to walk in. And I believe that God is actively touching the site and purpose of Parkway. We can see, but it will be according to our faith, be it done unto us. I have spent a lot of time in prayer over the last 10 months asking the Lord this crucial question. Lord, when you see Parkway, when you see the people that come every Sunday, they come Every time the doors are open, when you see us, what do you see in us? What do you see as the vision and plan for our life? And I see a church of a thousand in the, next, in the first five years of us being here. But I want to stop here because I don't want the enemy to twist something. Crowds aren't disciples. Just because you have crowds doesn't mean that you're making kingdom impact. And in the end, it's not our job to populate Parkway. It's our job to populate the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to be faithful no matter we, if we see a thousand people here in the next five years or we don't. But the goal and the aim is, God, would you cause our church to do our part to reach the region that's around us? And God, it's a silly prayer. It's a faith-filled prayer. But God, I want you to touch the vision of this house so that we have something to aim at. But listen to me, crowds aren't disciples. And we endeavor to be a house that disciples and equips the people that God brings us. The reason why we say 100 people that are trained and equipped volunteers is because why? 
Everything that God saves, serves. God will never touch your heart and not ask you to take that heart of compassion that he's giving you to go reach out to somebody else. Look to your neighbor and say, everything that God saves, serves. Everything. Everything that God saves, serves. And if you're here this morning and all you are in your current state in life is a Sunday morning attender or church pew warmer, I want you to know something from the bottom of my heart. There's more. This great adventure of walking with Jesus will take you to the four corners of this earth. It will take you to the grocery store. It will take you to a family member. It will take you to a neighbor. And you have to have a vision of what God sees in your life. Your vision is not to fulfill Pastor Jay's call on his life. That's my job. But you have something so specific and so unique that the kingdom of God cannot and will not be at its full potential without you saying, God, use my life. I believe that over the next five years, 10 or so people are going to be sent out into full-time ministry. I don't believe that the church is ever meant to be a Dead Sea church where things only came in but nothing else came out. I believe that that we are going to be a sending house where young people, just like Cecil, who are planning to be an intern, are going to be raised up in this house, and one day we're going to send them because Cecil is going to have a burden on his life to go reach somebody else. And by the way, Cecil, that's not telling me that you have to leave, all right? The reason why it's important to focus on the one is because Jesus, in that parable, he was doing this, 97, 98, 99, ah, 96, 97, 98. This pastor's heart this morning woke up and I was texting a few people that I hadn't seen in a couple weeks. Not because I, I need them to attend the church, but because I want them to know this pastor loves them. And I was doing that this morning like, all right, I know where they're at, and I know where they're at, but where have they been? And a heart for the people that are not just strangers, but a heart for the people that may get lost in a sanctuary of people. Look to your neighbor and say, you're the one that I'm supposed to love as well. And it just got awkward in the room, huh? I want you to know why it's so important for you to understand the vision of 1,110 and 1. Because when I see the vision of this house, I see multiple campuses all throughout Southern Oregon. I see one church, but many locations. If our church, the church that's been built on a wonderful legacy over the last uh, almost 80-something, 90-something years, if our church... The pastors, the Pastor Dennis and Jeanette and the trimmers and the, and the, the list can go on and on. If, if the people that have gone before us, if we don't charge forward with vision, everything that they've built, everything that they've done is for naught. But it's not just for Grants Pass. It's for this wonderful region. And you say, Pastor, that's an ambitious vision. Usually spiritual vision is. Usually when God calls you to do something, if you can do it in your own might, you would take credit for it. But God calls you to do things that are so much bigger than you or your expertise or even your experience. But I believe that there's going to be campus all throughout Southern Oregon 
In one church, many locations. I see a church funding ministries all over the world through missions, givings, and outreach. And I want to pause here just for a few moments. If you're new to our church, we could use your help. Because listen, people paid it forward for you, and now you have the opportunity to pay it forward to the next person. I believe that there are countless ministries that need to be funded and can be funded through the faithful giving and support of people just like you. I see a church when I walk into this room, a church completely updated and renovated. This community needs to see us investing in our facilities because it sends a clear message that our better days are ahead. Our legacy campaign is going to launch here in the next several months. It's our endeavor that the people of God would say, yes, pastor, I believe that our community needs to know that this church is alive and well. I see a worship ministry that ushers the presence of God in such a powerful way that people drive up to an hour to call this church home. I believe dynamic services are going to be a part of our DNA. And we're not going to have to chase signs and wonders and miracles. They're going to chase us. We're going to chase Him. If you're going to chase Him, give the Lord a big round of applause. Hallelujah. I see a church that celebrates what God does on Sunday, but the excitement is because of what He is doing Monday through Saturday. A church that's alive 24-7, 365. A church that lives outside of the four walls. I see a church alive with expectancy and united in cause and purpose. A church that is, is a biblical representation of together. As Pastor Micah shared earlier, that we are united in kingdom business. I see a church willing to help other churches reach their kingdom potential. I believe that our giving will not just affect this house, but it will affect other houses. I've had many phone calls the last couple of weeks of needs that we couldn't even meet because financially we're not necessarily at a place to be able to do it. Of churches in our area that are just struggling to turn lights on. But God, would you allow us to have overflowing giving so that we don't just protect this church and this kingdom, but we advance the kingdom of God throughout our region. I see a people living and loving in proper, healthy relationships. I see a church preaching holiness and an uncompromised, unmixed gospel of freedom from stronghold sins and generational curses. I see a church where people can be released into their calling under a covering, listen to me, that will provide accountability and not manipulation or control. What we need is we need pastors that will release people and not be threatened by them. A pastor that will provide accountability, that will go to you and say, that ain't it. But keep going because you're going to find out what God has for you. Not to manipulate or control people, but to release people in the call that God's placed on their life. I see a church that's unleashed our facilities to their full potential. Man, I so long for the day that the whole center is open every day with young people that are going to be in there that are going to know that there's a church that's investing not just in their future, but in their now. You know why this is so important, church? Jesus is coming back soon. I need you to... like. I need you to settle it in your spirit. We're living in a day where 
the things that we would talk about as pastors and preachers coming from Scripture about prophecies, we're seeing now being unraveled all over the four corners of our country. If you're, if you're new or maybe you're yet to be a Christian, I want you to know that, man, you're at the right place at the right time. This world, listen to me, this world isn't going back to normal. Normal's not coming soon. Jesus is. Jesus is coming soon. And listen to me, He's not coming back soon to a church in retreat. Do you hear this, Pastor Sorry, He's not coming to a church whose lamps are empty with oil. Do you know the reference? He's not coming back to a church that's ashamed of the Holy Spirit. He's not coming to a church that's ashamed of the gospel. He's not coming back for a church that's shrinking back and being destroyed. No, he's not coming back to a church that's going to be in flight mode. No, he's coming back to a church that's advancing. And I want to be part of the kingdom that's advancing. I don't want to be part of the church that's agreeing with yesterday and the bondages of yesterday. I want to be agreeing with the church and the advancing of the kingdom with oil lamps full. You know, for every one of those bullet points, a thousand right things need to happen. But I ain't scared. Because really, in the end, only one thing needs to happen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, over my obedience. Has Brooke come back to the keyboard? Yes, Lord, over my words. Yes, Lord, over my conduct. Yes, Lord, over my wallet. Yes, Lord, over my career. Yes, Lord, over my family, over my character, over my integrity, over my decisions, over my choices, over my future, over my plans, over my goals. Yes, Lord. Here's what God is saying as he is touching our sights. Parkway, you pick how far and how fast you want to go. Do you, do you understand the severity of what God's trying and the urgency that God's trying to bring to this house? Parkway, there's keys in your hand. You are the key to the revival that's been promised to Southern Oregon in the Rogue Valley. Your faith will determine how fast and far we go. I... I hesitate coming to these holy moments and just going through them. God has proven He is willing. God has proven that the time is now. Do, do you recognize these last 10 months? You don't just see those things all the time. If you're new to our church, we have seen, and I hesitate to even bring attention to it, because oftentimes people will focus on that rather than the right thing. But we have seen blind eyes opened. We have seen sight restored. We've seen provable medical healings take place. We have seen hundreds of people come to Jesus. We have seen a church alive with passion. We have seen you, yes you, that are just starting to come back to the faith. Maybe many of you have been out of church for months or years maybe even decades, but now is the time that God's calling you home. And He's not calling you to a place of where you've been. He's calling you to a new place 
of what you should be doing and where you should be going. Time is now. God has proven he's willing. This pastor and his wife and his family, I can't be more all in than I am. God, here's what I've been saying. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, over my family. Yes, Lord, over my boys. Yes, Lord, over my church. Yes, Lord, over my ministry. God, I hold it loosely because it's not mine, but you put it in my hand to steward. Yes, Lord. I can have no more ministry among you than what you and your faith allow. The board is united in heart and purpose. We get into board meetings. I had this caution come to me and I was like, maybe we need to start thinking about plan B or maybe slowing down a little bit. And every one of the board members looked at me and said, let's give it one more month, Pastor, because I don't believe we're supposed to slow down. We're united, listen to me, we're united in reaching a world for Jesus, and not just a world, but in Grant's Pass as it is in heaven. In the Rogue Valley as it is in heaven. Not a church that's in survival that's scared about failing. A church that's more scared about not trying to preach the gospel. Because signs are going to follow them who believe. This church, we need you to see what God is seeing. Pastor, what does all in look like? It's faithful in your walk and in your attendance. It's faithful in your generosity. It's faithful in your service. It's faithful in your confession. It's faithful in unity. If you have aught in your heart with someone here that calls this church your church, ask for forgiveness because we need faithful in unity. We need faithful in outreach. I need people that will say, Pastor, I'm willing to go anytime, anyplace, anywhere to outreach our community. But in the end, we need faithfulness in relationship with Jesus and faithfulness in relationship with others. It's like he is asking us, how much do you want me to do? And do you believe I can do it? In a holy moment that is here with us today, according to your faith, be it unto us. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? My wife is going to lead us in a song. Yes. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. Oh, 
There's an opportunity here that is special to God's heart. I believe as Pastor Jay was speaking, there's physical eyes that are opening now. You know, the blurriness is starting to go away. And I felt like a couple of people, the vision was getting worse at first. You're like, what is going on? And that's, that tried to steal your focus. And God's going, hey, I'm bringing you to a place where my heart, my character, my love for you is your focus and everything else is, is going to fall away. And I, I don't think that's just, well, I know it's not just physical, but it's spiritual and it's emotional. And we have the opportunity to take what was important to us in the past and go, that's not important to me anymore. I want your vision. I want what's happening right now to be forever because that's God's heart for you. And I just, I thank you, Father, for what's happening right now. And I thank you that this place right here is a place that you chose. The people in here right now is the people that you chose. So we just bless you. We honor you. And I think there's quite a few things happening actually physically. Don't keep it physical. Even though it's super exciting, I love physical manifestations, what God's doing. I just love it. But don't keep it physical. Just let him in to change the vision of your heart, the vision of your life. There's somebody named Cassandra. I don't know who you are, but there's somebody named Cassandra. And uh, I got a pair of, a uh, picture of a pair of channel locks that's just squeezing the back of your neck and it's something you've been dealing with for a long period of time. And just know you're being healed right now. And it's not temporary. You have a fear of it being temporary because you were healed before apparently and, and it came back. It's not temporary. Just give him you. And then he gave me one more uh, guy named Roger and I saw maintenance equipment. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you don't think you're valuable. Uh, you don't think you're enough. And God wants you to know that He's given you an intercessory gift that wherever you go and the yards that you're cleaning up, He's given you a gift to change people's lives without you even talking. Your 
communication with your Father, you're bringing to houses and buildings and it's changing people's lives. Do not see yourself less than what he sees you. So just reach in, guys. Just reach in. Grab on to what he's telling you right now and take it to your heart. That this is a house of miracles, and I want us to sing it as one big choir this morning. And come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house. This is your house, and we bring everything. Bring it all. This is a house. new to this kind of service or ending or altar moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the diversity in gifts and me as a pastor, I just play my part and then God begins to speak to the body. There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith for miracles that happens in, in a place. There's God begins to, to give people pictures or thoughts about, about things and I I love how God just gets us on the edge to where we can't even necessarily explain it all, but I know that God uses those kinds of gifts. So this morning, if, if that was you, I want you to know it's a safe spot to say, Lord, I'm all in. And God doesn't just call you out because he wants to set you back. God calls you out because he wants to propel you forward. And he loves you. There's many times in my life that I've been in conversation and the Holy Spirit will just drop something reminded as as my friend was sharing about some of the things that he was sensing I'll never forget one of the moments that I was talking to a young man that was passing by our youth service one morning uh, and I said hey you got to promise me that you're going to come back tonight and uh, it was the Holy Spirit making me say those words you got to promise me that you're going to come back tonight that young man was on his way to attempt to take his own life in his back pocket, he had a suicide note. Things that sometimes you can't explain, but God uses. And so you're here this morning. I just want you to know that God, that gift is, is for you to know that he sees you. He loves you. He knows you. Jimmy and, and Dee Dee just felt something, come on, really quick, just felt something specific about some of our, some of our young people. And you could just, just share what God's placed on your heart. Yeah, so... Um... I was, I was getting ready for church this morning, and I had a shirt on, and it had a weird stain on it. I, it was in my clean closet. It shouldn't have a stain on it, right? So that's kind of weird. So I <laughs> got to my wife, and I tried to clean it off. Tried to clean it off several times, actually. And I handed it to her, and she says, yeah, you can't do anything with this. I, she's, got, she's really good at taking out stains, which is kind of what, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, that's what he's in the business of doing too. 
Holy Spirit can take away your stain. So I went to my closet and said, Lord, what shirt do you want me to put on? That's kind of weird. I never do that either. I just grab one and it's good. So this shirt is, uh, we went to a Toby Mac concert a while back and it says, speak life. So he's, he's speaking to a male today, a young guy, and he loves you. And you've been considering ending your life. And believe me, he is just starting with you. So praise God, you're here today. Praise God, he's gonna change you. Romans 12, one, but the second part of Romans 12, one and two, is that he's, he's in the business of transforming lives this morning. And he's gonna transform yours. So what else I wanna say is if you're a young person, and believe me, when we were young, we had friends and we had, oh my gosh, they have something going on with them. We don't know, but we can't tell our parents. Tell them. God's calling you to tell them. Come around that person and love them like Jesus did. And believe me, you will know who that person is today. And so if you're bold enough and you know that's you, come forward right now. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just lift up this person right now and I ask them to come forth they would come forth and know that you are calling their name right now and that you're calling them out of darkness into your wonderful light you're calling their name into life and light and beauty beauty the beauty that you created them to be it's got a plan and a purpose for your life everyone here knows should know the plan and purpose that they have that you have for you for them so i pray that they would come forth right now in jesus name amen just before we close would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room sometimes the lord says privacy of the moment is what's needed i just don't want anyone looking around i felt like that that as Jimmy and Dee Dee were sharing that there's a there's a, a moment here of, of privacy that was needed for boldness sake but if you're here this morning and, and those three words they were for you would you stretch up your hand just so I can see them go now just want to look it's our job to be obedient I see your hand sir thank you Was one. One more time through. There's there's a there's the young man right there. Thank you. And where's the where's the woman at? take 60 seconds here and pray the prayer of faith and life over these people right now in Jesus name Holy Spirit we thank you for pointing this out Father we speak life over that young man right now in Jesus name 
the enemy has had an assignment on his life because he's scared about the purpose of that young man's life. Father, you're not scared about the lack of vision up to this point. You're releasing it now in Jesus' name. Father, we speak joy unspeakable over his life now. We don't ask necessarily for even the hard times to go away, but Father, right now we ask for joy because what the enemy has meant for harm, you're going to mean for good. And it's shaped him into the person that he's going to become. Come on, would you guys just take it up over another, another notch? The anointing is about to break out in this place. In Jesus' name, every stronghold in that young man's life be gone in Jesus' name. A heart full of compassion and a heart after you in Jesus' name. That this day will be a marked day for the rest of his life. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray for, for that man in the back right now. Father, you've called him for a reason. The enemy tells him that he's not worth it. But your actions by sending your son Jesus prove the enemy's lie wrong. He came here to set him free in Jesus' name. We speak life and health and hope in Jesus' name. You're here this morning and your heart's not right with God. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed all across this room. You say, Pastor, I, I, I need to make for certain that my heart is right before the Lord today. If that's you, would you just stretch up your hand so I can see it? I'm going to pray a prayer with you today. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Would you guys, thank you. Would you repeat this prayer after me right now? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I recognize my need of you. I'm all in. Hold nothing back. I thank you for what you did on that cross that you didn't stop there but you gave us victory because of what you conquered I'm all in everything that's in my hand I give it to you cleanse me heal me restore me in Jesus name amen and amen one time as you're closed, give the Lord one big round of applause in Jesus' name.